Good afternoon. I'd like to extend a warm welcome to you to this session. We have two speakers for you today. Dr. Uh, Greg Spencer, who's the Chief Medical Officer and Chief Medical Information, of Information Officer at Crystal Run Healthcare, and he is accompanied by Lou Cervone, who is the Director of Business Intelligence at Crystal Run Healthcare as well. They are speaking on the topic of patient engagement outcomes with predictive analytics. We also want to acknowledge our session analysts who are seated over here, and they will be helping us track your responses to the questions, applause, and give insights at the end. We have Jeff, Cy, Lex, and Aaron over there. Uh, now we'll turn the time over to Jeff to do the first poll question, after which we'll turn the time over to Dr. Spencer. All right, thank you. So the question was, does your organization currently share predictive analytic results with patients? <clears throat> so on the screen here, we'll see our results, and it's a pretty resounding no, 91% do not share those uh, predictive analytics with their patients. Hello, all right, great. Thank you. Uh, I'm Greg Spencer. I'm a Chief Medical Officer at Crystal Run, and, and as, uh, as was said earlier, I'm joined with, uh, uh, here with Louis Cervone, our Director of BI. Uh, it's really interesting that you all said no, because that's what I said until recently. Um, just some background on our organization. Uh, we're a uh, physician-owned multi-specialty group. We're a private practice. We're about an hour or so northwest of Manhattan in uh, New York and the uh, Hudson Valley. We're about 350 or so providers, 35 or so locations. We've got about 40,000 lives at risk, um, uh, 12,000 or so uh, attributed beneficiaries through MSSP, but that changes monthly from anybody that's done that program knows. Uh, some other stuff we do, uh, ASC, urgent care, uh, we have a sleep center, which sounds pretty good right now to everybody, I'm sure. Uh, pathology, uh, we've uh, been on the same EMR since uh, 1999, and uh, we're uh, one of the few Joint Commission accredited private practices. So um, one of the, uh, you know, as, as you all kind of alluded to, uh, we've got, we all collect a lot of data. I'm sure everybody here, like us, has years and years worth of data. Uh, that we use internally, starting to use more of it to help predict how things are maybe going to go, uh, how, they, how they were, your performance uh, currently. Uh, but that's always been kind of inward focused or, or outward focused towards, you know, regulatory or, you know, studies, et cetera. Um, and we wanted to see if we could use those same skill sets that we're developing uh, for all these other great uses to help uh, activate and engage uh, our patients. And that's kind of where the uh, flight path uh, concept was born. Uh, so, uh, you know, again, the, we have a whole lot of data, years and years and years. Uh, and the, um, one of the things, you know, there's a lot of great analytics tools out there. The New York Times um, has uh, really great uh, interactive, you know, kind of slider bar things to say based on their data, if you, you move it around, what can be the potential effects of those uh, changes. Um, and they're great, but they use kind of national data or, uh, you know, abstracted data, not necessarily the, the information, my information as a patient, you know, patient or patients like me, the, the population where 
I live uh, and the patients in my community. So we wanted to use the existing data that we had in our system for the patient that we're talking to in front of us to show what their risk is of developing something, complications, worsening of a condition, and hopefully engage them and activate them. And again, using the patient's own data and showing their um, kind of uh, choices, how they, how they affect things. And the airline metaphor is very strong in medicine. Uh, Dale Sanders has, you know, spoke about that uh, very eloquently earlier uh, in the conference. Um, you know, very complex organizations, medicine and uh, uh, the airline industry, uh, high risk, you need to have high reliability, uh, quality is a given. Um, and, but what the airlines have done for many years is not just use, you know, the checklist that we're all using to make sure things are going okay, but they can take the, the plane that is a certain make and model that's flown that, and you can go on the websites to see what the uh, on-time percentages for a certain plane going to a certain city, uh, that particular plane. And why can't we do that with patients? Why can't we have a particular patient kind of knowing what we know about what their conditions are and where, where they live to try to help predict how they're, uh, what's, gonna, what's gonna happen to them. And so this is the kind of the concept of the, of the flight path where you have the good profile. So um, we chose diabetes because it's a nice numerical, well worked out granular thing with tons of data that we have over many years. Uh, and we wanted to leverage that and see what we could do as this is a first off. And by the way, this is a, a uh, beta, pre-beta, alpha, new thing. So uh, it's, this is not this is not needed. You know, you wouldn't use this to make a clinical decision or publish, uh, you know, uh, this in a peer-reviewed journal about the, the decision that's made. It's to help kind of show trends and direction. So uh, patients with good profiles, they do better. So well-controlled diabetes, low A1Cs, good cholesterol, low LDLs, and well-controlled blood pressure. Um, and contrast that with patients with poor profiles, so the kind of the opposite of that. And we, we have the data and we know uh, how others have done, where they are, and where they could be. Uh, we used the cohort, our diabetes cohort, of uh, about five years worth of data, and we chose patients who had um, at least a year's worth of information in the system uh, to, um, you know, uh, so that the, the data would have some relevance to them. And by the way, anybody has any questions, feel free to, um, to interrupt and actually have uh, the benefit of having the two guys that helped design the back end and the math of the system, uh, David Crockett and uh, Justin Gressel here. So if you have any of those supremely uh, nerdy questions, we're ready for you. So, um, so that's the, the kind of the overall concept of uh, flight path. So poll question number two, um, since the first one was so great, uh, how are you currently engaging patients in using data? A, we actively use predictive analytics with patients to show them the predicted impact of their lifestyle choices. B, we share lab values and results with patients and verbally counsel them on the long-term health implications of lifestyle choices. C, we share results only, or D, not applicable or unsure. All right, so we'll give you a few seconds. We'll give you about 20 seconds to, to get those poll questions in.
All right, so it looks like pretty strong showing for B, for sharing and counseling the patients, um, 77%, and then sharing just the results is at 21%. Great. So Louis Ravone's gonna come up and kind of walk through some of the other uh, goals and approaches here. And I'm gonna stand awkwardly to this side since it's not a lot of room. Thanks, Dr. Spencer. He's my boss, so I do everything he tells me to do. Yeah. So my, my kids do too. What's that? <laughs> Nothing. Little joke. That's fine. <laughs> so the goal is to actively get the patients involved. Um, it's a challenge. Uh, the diabetes measure provides clear and concise um, metric to be able to present to them things that that they know about, whether it's um, and they understand whether it's their A1C or their, their BMI. Um, so getting the patients involved to help improve their, act, their outcome and decrease the costs is the approach. And um, through the metrics and the analytics that we pulled together in the application, um, we, we, it, it helps to facilitate that. So what are the factors that can predict health? Um, some of the factors that we use to predict the health are, are the combination, actually, the Charleston score. So the way the application is designed is it, it takes into account um, many factors and creates a Charleston score. The score is numerical, um, and it represents current state for, that, for those patients that are in that group or for that particular patient. Um, once we have that, it, we identify any complications that might occur as a result of the, um, their score and, and the type of um, trend they're, they're going towards and associate that with their family history and substance abuse and obviously their demographics play a major role in this as well as a driving factor. So this is a, keep forgetting, okay. So this is a, on the right of the small representation of, the, of part of the, what's in the flight path the application itself. The 66 represents the Charleston score. And the simulation that you can present as a physician with your patient in an, in an active setting, showing their A1C, their BMI, and their LDL, and that slider that we referenced before, you, you, it allows you to, to subtly change up or down. So their current state is reflected when you first come into the application, and you can change the slider if they improve their A1C or, or improve their, their cholesterol, the score represented in future state, if, if in a year is gone, going forward, will, um, will, will show how small things can make a big difference. The complications are a major factor. Um, what we found, we, we had an expert panel get together and determine for the diabetes population, um, what are the things that, that make the most impact? Um, these complications, the app, what it does is provide um, on, the, on one side current state and the complications associated to your current state. And then in a year's time, as you progress and as the population shows that, the complications become greater. And some might bubble up that are more severe. And it shows that very evidently in the application. What we show here on the left side are just an alphabetic list of the complications associated. But the right side is what the, the patient will see as they meet with the physician or the physician can see for, its pop, for the population that he has under, under his or her care. Glaucoma being 
the highest ranked complication in this state. And as we move through, we've come up with recommendations. So the application, again, we're going to we'll show a static representation of it, but the way it represents it, um, you have recommendations for each complication. Uh, of course, many recommendations uh, cross over multiple complications, so there's duplicity in that. What, what the app tries to show and present to them, again, current state complications, and by influencing them, checking off, well, I can control my diet better, or I can exercise more or stop smoking or check my feet regularly or something like that. By checking off them the way the application is designed, complications may drop off. Their risk score may lower. Their costs may go down. Another factor that, that, that this represents is the average cost per visit and the total cost per, per year. So you'll see that trend from one from one as we progress from one year to the other. So we felt it was beneficial to chunk for the for the patient to absorb to, uh, to chunk the complications into groupings and they could be anywhere you know categorized in the recommendations categorized in lab work checkups self-care lifestyle so things that the patient can understand and at the end of the day we're trying to activate the patient to be part of their own care and the physician spending time in a setting like the like he would have intimate with the, with the patient can can represent and show them exactly what can happen if um, if they pro if they continue down the path in a year's time becomes pretty evident people are influenced by many factors it could be the cost associated to it as well which um, you know but but what the, the main goal is to, to try to get the patients to be proactive in the health and the care of their their own care Let's back up one. Oh. this is like totally the punchline I'm glad we didn't uh, go right. blow by it so, so I'll let dr. Spencer <laughs> <laughs> so I'll, I it, well I'll be clear with this was you know, one of the problems on the walkabout is there's no, there's no pictures of things, so you have to kind of explain it, and you get really hoarse talking for five minutes about this when, uh, you know, you look at it and you say, oh yeah, this is what you're, what you're trying to do. So this is, uh, you know, the uh, ClickView front end, for those of you who have uh, used Catalyst, it's pretty familiar, uh, and what the user does is you select the patient name, and uh, kind of walking through it from the upper, your right, uh, there's the patient summary, so, you know, the patient characteristics, what their current, their last readings were for their BMI, blood pressure, uh, how long it's been since the last time they've been in, uh, and then charges. We don't have, you know, we have some claims data, uh, but it's, um, it's limited, and this was designed to be used, well, you know, whatever the patient had, so we use charges as a surrogate for, for cost for the patient. Um, and so kind of going down now just below that to the current status, so their average yearly cost, charge, whatever proxy you want to use, and then an out-of-pocket uh, component. So we wanted to, you know, get people's attention. And, you know, you always have, well, insurance. I've been paying insurance for years. It's time for them to, you know, give back some of that money. Well, this is coming out of their pocket, and we wanted to, you know, this is the attention-getting part. So the average out-of-pocket cost for that. Uh, the risk score, as Lou said, that has to do with the Charlson score, and the higher, and, and that's not a Charlson score of 70, which would be really bad. You know, basically, if you're over 10, you're, you know, no, don't buy any large jars of mayonnaise or whatever at that point. 
but you know the uh, so it's just an index of kind of good to to bad, uh, and this was like one of these discussions as you're as you're building this app. Well, a hundred that sounds good. That's a good score, right? Well, it's a hundred risk. So you know those are the discussions. Do you make it go across this way, or do you make it go up and down? Does it go from green to red? And and you know it, it's just it's these are the kind of things as you're developing these apps, and that's kind of part of the reason we're presenting is to kind of stimulate. You can build this stuff on top of your EDW with, uh, with the structure that you have involved, but you, know, you have to think about the, the visual presentation of it. And we wanted it to be you know, very visual, kind of inspired by Fitbit, uh, which I'm sure I've got mine on now, and hopefully I'm doing okay on my steps. Um, but you know, th to have something that is compelling and quickly seen by, by the patient. And by the way, uh, this would be in the primary care office or the, you know, the diabetic nurse educator, the endocrinologist would be sitting down and going over this stuff with the patient. So risk score, higher is worser in this case. Uh, current complications, what they currently have, uh, glaucoma is a, you know, not an exactly obvious complication of diabetes, but certainly has a higher incidence. Uh, and then you have on the far right side, what's next? If everything continued as it is, what, what could be in store? So um, risk score goes up, you know, that is not good. Uh, predicted dollar spend goes up, and this is an example, that would be really a bad, bad out-of-pocket component for this patient. And then likely complications, and they're ranked, uh, you know, in order, uh, you know, of, uh, that we can, uh, to, of what would be more severe. Uh, the patient uh, can, or the, who's working with them can, as Louis alluding to, use the sliders to change. So, okay, my BMI is, uh, you know, whatever, 20, 27. What if I went down to a BMI of 25? And you have to tell the patient, well, that means you have to lose this many pounds, but, uh, you know, what would be effective lowering your weight? What would be the effect of doing better about getting your sugars under control or getting your cholesterol down? And as you move each of those sliders, it changes the risk scores, and hopefully in a compelling way to get patients kind of involved in, in thinking about these things. On the tar top part is the, are the care recommendations, and uh, the, uh, th that's where that last slide came into of, you know, uh, you know, you've got a complication of, say, cataracts, or a complication of, say, you know, heart attack, and you know, recommendations from check your feet to check your sugars. And we just kind of, you know, convened an expert panel, which was me and three of the other doctors who happened to be walking by my office at a bad time, uh, you know, to say, well, what would be, what's your idea of what's a bad thing to happen and what would be a very effective um, imp uh, intervention for that? And just kind of very simply to get a rank ordered list, kind of multiply how uh, bad the thing is by how effective the complication is by how severe the, the thing is that you're going to get to come up with a list of rank-ordered recommendations so that the, the, most, the best stuff is on the top. And then as you check off those uh, particular care recommendations, you can kind of see that flight path. Again, that's where that metaphor comes in. And the, the risk will either go up or down as you do check or uncheck those particular recommendations. So again, a more visual representation of um, what could be in store for them if they they don't shape up or they you know they you know uh, get with the program <laughs> as it were so question number three um, based on what you've seen 
Is this something you can envision implementing in your organization? Yes or no? Please go to your apps and uh, respond to this poll question. Give you a few seconds to do that. All right, it's been bouncing between 96 and 98, so it's a pretty resounding yes that they could envision implementing this. So good. You did a good job. That's good, awesome. Um, very good. So some of the expected results, this is uh, getting ready to move from test to production, so we don't have any data to give you yet other than you know some general gestalt, and we're, uh, we'll be continued to work on this, so we wanna, kind of help gain a better understanding of, uh, have the patients gain a better understanding of their choices and things that are within their control. Obviously, there's a whole lot of other variables potentially that we could have used, but these were things that we thought would be compelling and things that the patient would think like, yeah, I could lose a couple pounds or I could take my Mevacor or, you know, check my sugars. Um, and show a measurable improvement um, in patient engagement uh, of, the, of the outcome and hopefully uh, in patient engagement. And this is informing our uh, future development. Uh, we started with diabetes because it's such a, you know, so amenable to, um, to things like this, very numerical. Uh, we have years and years worth of data that, uh, you know, is there that we can uh, leverage. Future plans, um, again, as I uh, alluded to, we're going from test to production, so this will go into uh, the offices, uh, not just, um, you know, the primary care and endocrinologist, but also diabetic nurse educator. You can kind of see how this would be something that would be potentially even standalone. It would have to have uh, some security wrapped around it with a portal since it is the patient's actual data. Uh, and, you know, the actual, we'd have to figure out a way of pushing this out in a, in a way that, you know, because of the license issues with ClickView, et cetera, or do it some sort of other front, front end. Uh, but uh, that could potentially be another uh, way that we could leverage potentially having a lot more patients use it. Uh, as far as evaluating the effectiveness of it, we're, we're gonna have a cohort of people that use it and the people that don't, uh, and we should be able to follow the costs or the charges uh, and uh, you know, the measures of diabetic control and also other, all the other quality measures that we all track uh, a lot uh, with uh, diabetes in particular, and we've been, um, talking about rolling out a patient activation measure as well, and this seems like a good thing to use it, uh, use it on. Um, heart failure is probably our next, um, next thing to use. Uh, again, a, a very important, um, uh, important diagnosis, fairly common, unfortunately, and also has a fair amount of uh, numerical and well worked out and established, uh, you know, levers that can be pulled to show an, an actual effect. So some of the lessons that we've learned, um, it is important to select your uh, uh, clinical uh, condition well. You know, this stuff is not easy to do, as, as the Catalyst team can tell you from both the math and also just the, the roundup development of these things. Uh, and so you wanna leverage, you know, get a decent ROI on this. Certainly if you had some very pet thing and you 
you got somebody that really wanted to build this, that would be great. But you know, to, to use the work that's been done in a lot of patients is helpful, and that's the other reason we chose uh, diabetes. And what we've learned now has informed what we'll do in the, in the future, not just with um, the math and the back, back end, but also how the uh, information gets displayed, how we push it out to clinicians and patients, and, um, and also to save time in the development cycle. Uh, Lou, you want to comment on the data management? Right, so the, the data is important, and we've been on EMR since the late 90s, so there's a lot of, a lot of data in there that um, we may be, if we did it differently earlier on in the process, it would be a little cleaner. So you have to be careful on your thresholds and your, your, um, how you develop your metrics and have some data governance around the data, otherwise you're gonna have some things that are gonna skew the results. So it's important to choose the data and, and vet the data so, so you can uh, make the proper decisions based on that. Um, the, the, the time parameters, I mean, it could really be based on anything. You can look back a month, a quarter, um, however you wanna design the application. So uh, that's really up to the, um, what's needed in the time. So other than that. Right, so all the BI stuff that you normally have to deal with, you gotta deal with this maybe even a little bit more because it's, you're kind of showing your, you know, uh, your stuff to the, the actual world, not just the people in your organization. So all the data mining you have to do, uh, the, uh, you know, the four digit blood pressures or the one digit blood pressures, uh, you know, or weights that are the same way, uh, et cetera. The interpolation of data in between the points, missing data, what do you do with that? And the Catalyst team can help, uh, can discuss that in detail with uh, different interpolation methods. But these are, you, you have to think about this uh, as well to have it not be completely uh, crazy when you, uh, when, when you show it. Because if you don't kind of think about it, you will get weird results and you certainly don't want to, <laughs> kind of make a bad situation worse by, uh, by showing something that's, you know, not reasonable. Um, and then uh, considering uh, what data is to be displayed and for what best effect, this is that whole, um, you know, visualization, usability stuff of how you're gonna get the data seen in a compelling way so that the patients and the, you know, make the best decision that they can make. This is getting you know back to the whole Challenger disaster of the the, the space shuttle that blew up and they actually turned you know it was the O-ring that uh, had a leak in it and it turns out they actually knew about that beforehand but the team that knew about that and they presented it to a conference they did it in such a poor way in such a confusing way that everybody thought it was no big deal and it was a really big deal um, so that's a like a disastrous horrible but excellent example of you know, thinking about how your data is being presented because it's just not about, you know, getting the data uh, or seeing a piece of information, but putting into context, showing the trends, what can happen, colors, uh, you know, how you're gonna have the, the things be up or down or sideways. It may not, in, in the situation that you're trying to solve for or, you know, demonstrate, it, it may be very different than what we, we've come up with. And this, by the way, we have, we're not gonna give people any instruction except for choose the patient. So we can get that feedback of, you know, this is really confusing, you know, I want to look over here, but it's over here. So then, you know, we want, we want to kind of get that, uh, that visualization feedback as well as we go forward to kind of optimize the, um, everybody's experience. So we want to leave a lot of time for questions, so. Wonderful. Lou and Dr. Spencer, thank you again for such a great presentation.
As we move to the question and answer portion, and I'm just going to sit down up here, we'll turn some time over to Sai, who is the speaker analyst, for his insights that you've gathered from your responses throughout the session. Great. Thank you, Brent. So Lex and I have been working really hard. You may have seen us working here trying to figure out the neat things that each of you have that make you unique but help you face the challenge that we've just described. So to help set the tone, what we have here is 35% of you are in the range of 250 to 500 beds. And then 41% of you have achieved a successful implementation of an EDW at some degree. And then what I'm presenting here, well, it's not up, but what it is, what it shows is, is that now? Perfect. Here we are. And this was what's so neat is because if you're interested in the, I don't know why it's doing that. I'll just make this small and go like this. All right. Perfect. Technical difficulties, one moment. So what E represents is, is if this is something that you as a group could implement at each of your places and you advocate as an E that you could achieve this at a 68% success hmm. based on your profile that you've filled out prior to coming and then how you've answered these poll questions. Thank you, Brent. Thanks. Very interesting. We have a ton of questions. There's, I have well over 30 questions, but the top question that was asked has 24 votes and it is, do you include external data, social and behavioral, in your assessments? In our assessments, you mean in the, the data to incorporate into the model? Not yet, no. But that would be, uh, that would be a good thing to get. Any, you know, th this was kind of specifically designed to look into places where we, we knew the data that we wanted was gonna exist. So do you smoke, uh, you know, what's your age, your gender? But uh, other external data as far as um, A1C or lab, that would be great to get that. Version two. Great. Uh, the next question, and this one was a late riser in the polls. How did you validate the prediction model? And that might be when you want to call on uh, Dr. Corbett or, or Dr. <laughs> Justin. <laughs> Justin or Dr. Crockett. Well, I mean, uh, yeah, so as they're here, walking Justin. a. Uh, I'll be a runner here. A thing over here. We, we had the sniff test of, you know, does it look crazy or not? That was the, the clinical validation part. And we do have some knowledge about the, how people are supposed to respond based on all the studies that have been done in the past. But again, this was with our data in patient and in our population, so. Okay, well, with these models, there were actually a few different models. There was one model for the Charleston score, and then as it relates to the complications, for each of the different diabetes-related complications, a uh, separate model was run. And so, since we're trying to predict a year into the future. Come up here. Okay. Huh. Come up here. Awesome. Um, since we're looking a year into the future, what we did was we pulled data on the diabetic cohort, um, and we looked at their last visit. And we saw what their Charleston score was on their last visit, and we could see the complications that they had, which appear as yes or no, or one or zero. And then what we did for each of the patients, 
was we went a year into the past and we looked at the data at that point backwards. Um, and then we used that data to predict to their last visit. So it's essentially using data a year into the past to predict into the future. Um, and so in terms of validation, that's done just using normal um, linear and logistic regression type diagnostics, things like R squared, um, mean square error. Uh, in terms of validation, like a true validation, that would only be once the model has actually been run. I mean, in terms of being implemented, um, once the model starts actually predicting on new data, not on the historical data. Sounds good. Justin, we'll have you sit up here. Why don't you join us in these chairs, these white chairs, and uh, that way you'll be on our panel. I will stand. The next question is what types of technology do you currently use and plan to use to communicate or activate patients? Uh, we've got the patient portal, uh, which is always, you know, you want more, many more people to use it, um, and that's an increasingly important uh, piece of technology. Um, this, uh, things like this, but in an analog form uh, of, you know, uh, just informational uh, and the more visual we can, uh, but there's not a lot of technology uh, that we've used so far other than, you know, kind of incidental activators for announcing things or, uh, you know, blast emails to patients with certain conditions within the portal, uh, you know, HIPAA compliant uh, ways of reminding patients of what they have and what they could do better about it, but nothing, uh, no specific technology. Lou, do you know of anything else that we? No, we, no, not really. Okay. No. <laughs> Great. There's a lot of questions about uh, about that topic, about what technology can use. And one of the other questions was, how can patient-generated data, presumably from some of these technologies, supplement clinical data for engaging with patients and families? Uh, I mean, this is exactly what that's designed for. Uh, you know, to to make it real for the patient of actually not just you know. I, I'm told to, to make this number better, but to actually have it be put in the context of things that matter to the patient, and certainly health matters, so the, you know, the risk score is something that's, you know, something they can, you know, visualize. Complications, there are things that, you know, you know if you get your leg cut off, that's a bad thing. Uh, and uh, money, uh, but, you know, it, it's also for the, you know, early phase, the, the education of the providers as well, because we don't necessarily think about the dollar spend always and, and what that actually means. And sometimes you look at this and you're like, wow, that's a lot. You know, that's a really big delta between where things are and where they could be and in compared to others. So uh, education, not just for the patient and the family, but also for the providers so that they can kind of explain it better. And uh, one of the other reasons we've kind of kept it in kind of the exam room for, uh, you know, to walk through it is these questions do come up and you can kind of start to see patients' eyes cross or glaze over or, you know, you don't know exactly what, you know, they, they, they don't exactly get it that you could spend more time on a certain thing. So, um, yeah, I mean, the, I think the, the number of questions about, like, how technology can be helpful is kind of telling. Uh, this is this is an area that everybody's trying to figure out how we can use technology to improve the patient's uh, activation and um, buy-in. 
Great. There's a couple of questions that hit on the same, same kind of topic. The topic is around how you choose what cohorts you use to this tool to intervene with. Are you only using it for the extremely high-risk diabetes patients or CAD patients? Or are you using it for the mid-risk risk patients? How do you choose the right cohort? That's the kind of genre question that comes up next. Come on down, David. <laughs> we got Dr. Spencer, do you see it um, being used? Would, would you see a physician bringing it up to any patient that yes. comes in that's diabetic? Or Absolutely. To I mean, only these are, the high I mean any of us that have taken care of diabetes, it's a, it's a spectrum. If you're not bad now, you totally could be in the future and, and vice versa. So we don't, didn't target this at any particular uh, you know, population uh, within diabetes. And we use type two just because that was a, the largest group. So the two camps of thought there, if, if you focus on low risk, rising risk, it delays complication, delays dollar amounts, and you may, most of your effort can go there and, and avoid uh, complications and costs down the road. Um, if they're already such high risk, um, you know, why waste money and effort on those high risks? So that's one train of thought. Opposite to that is uh, intervention for high risk only. And um, that's, that's a question just to sort through uh, internally within your health system. Um, but there's, there's certain advantages um, to either one. Uh, my personal preference is uh, low risk to, to focus early on when it's preventative and uh, avoids a lot of the long-term complications and cost. And over the long haul, that saves more money. Thank you, Dr. Crockett. All right, so another category of questions is around getting that physician consensus on the protocols that you're recommending, the interventions there. Now, you, you kind of flippantly said there were two docs that passed by your office and said, hey, that's how we determine the protocols. But how, what kind of counsel do you have for coming up with the right protocols that you're recommending to patients and getting consensus there? Well, I mean, the good news about diabetes is there's a lot of expert opinion out there and it's, uh, you know, has evidence for it. So we try to use the, uh, the evidence as best we can. Uh, we do, you know, just in general have this uh, process in our practice where we, you know, get the people together in a certain department, have everybody kind of decide on, okay, a, a diabetic, all things being equal, what are the recommendations from the professional society of what things should be done and when and how frequently people should be seen and what tests should be ordered and everybody kind of decides on that and then we measure that uh, going forward. So that there is, uh, we try to get buy-in very early on uh, from the clinicians that are gonna be using the information uh, from their own professional society so it's not something that's kind of uh, imposed onto them. Uh, and, but uh, this one was somewhat easier. Again, we, again, the reason we chose it is there's a whole lot of uh, information out there that's pretty well validated. Wonderful. We only have about five minutes left for questions, so probably one or two more. The next one is more of a practical question. So seeing a tool like this, how do you balance spending more time answering patient questions regarding risk scores that you might present to them versus seeing enough patients to cover costs? So more of the practical question there. Yeah, I mean, again, diabetes, you know, it's a totally behavioral thing, pretty much. Uh, so you're spending this time with them, whether you think you are or you aren't. Uh, and uh, I guess you can focus, you know, the, choose to focus the visit on, on this uh, or, uh, you know, 
saying what you were going to say uh, normally, which, you know, we're, the reason we're doing this is to hopefully improve and add something that hasn't been done before. And this is kind of getting at uh, Dr. Crockett's um, view earlier of like, who do you choose? I think pretty much anybody uh, would benefit and the really, the people that are even severely affected, there, there are some data that you can, you know, have, you know, a fairly, uh, you know, measurable, you know, the Geisinger data of having some fairly measurable effects relatively soon within, you know, a year or two on the macrovascular complications. So, um, that's always do, you know, that's all we have is our time, right? That's all we can spend really at the end of the day and how you, how you kind of triage your time uh, with who uh, is always the question. So, and, and a lot of it depends on the reimbursement structure. Are you getting paid uh, by RVU or are you getting paid for outcome or managing a panel? And I think everybody has to kind of answer that question for themselves and their organization. But again, this is a behavioral, Whole, uh, not exactly, there's a huge genetic component obviously, but once you got the genetics, the, the behavior uh, kind of drives uh, much of the outcome. Great, the final question is just asking, can you explain a little bit more about your rollout plan for this and how, how you're approaching that? Uh, so uh, we're gonna, again, use it in a small number of, you know, kind of zealot-like people for this because it will be frustrating and because it's gonna be uh, you know, uh, you'll have to have that feedback loop early. So uh, limited uh, rollout with uh, a couple of endocrinologists, uh, three or four primary care doctors and a diabetic nurse educator. And then once things get, you know, worked out and we get the more or less the, the, the FAQ stuff uh, cleared out that will then, you know, roll it out more broadly and, you know, Hopefully it'll be well received, uh, and we'll uh, people will think of it as a uh, you know useful tool. Uh, it's not something you'll use probably on everybody every time, but uh, you know definitely once in a while uh, for for people that are you know as a part of a checkup or the people that are starting to drift. Uh, we're hoping that'll be helpful. Great. Thank you again, Dr. Spencer and Lou, for your presentation, and to all of you for your questions. Uh, thank you very much. Thank you. There are, there are two quick things to do before we wrap up. On your desks, you should have your sheets of paper with the choose one thing. Please take a couple of minutes to fill that out. And then when you are done with that, there's a final poll associated with this session as well in terms of feedback. If you would go on there and provide that feedback, we will take